Welcome to the Property Developers and Investors podcast, where we explore the detail of what it really takes to achieve great success in the business of property developments and investments. Now let's get into this week's episode. Well, a very warm welcome to the next episode of Property Developers and Investors podcast. And today I'm going to start with a very different introduction because we've got an extraordinary guest, very special, and I know you're going to love this episode. I want to read just a short excerpt um, from the back of of this gentleman's book. At the age of 23, this gentleman returned for a brutal tour of Iraq. A devoted British soldier, he had risked life and limb at the infamous Battle of Danny Boy, leading a charge across open ground. His outstanding bravery earned him the military cross. Brian came home a hero, but his fight for his life was about to begin, this time for his good name when the world was shattered by false and public allegations of wartime atrocities. And then he goes on to describe the book. So without any any further ado, really want to welcome and say thanks for your time, Mr. Brian Wood. How are you, sir? Not very well. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it, Mark. Uh, so it's a pleasure. And I know you inspired several hundred people when you presented a, our Brooklands event uh, a few months ago. And it's been um, long awaited having you on our, our podcast. So, Brian, I first uh, I first came across you um, probably almost a year ago now. I live in a village called Elstead in Surrey, and you were doing the most amazing, crazy challenge of running. I think it was twenty five marathons in twenty five days, and you posted that you were running through our village. Um, that shows me a lot about the character of somebody that can actually do that. So maybe we could start there as to what your drivers were in, in achieving such a crazy feat. Yeah, so I spent 17 years as a frontline soldier and throughout that 17 years, I went operational a number of times and I've seen from firsthand what our armed forces deliver, the capability, the delivery, the camaraderie. And also the realities of war is, unfortunately, people get hurt and then worst case, killed in action. And um, I've always been one to try and give something back. And last year, I decided to do the challenge, which was called the ultimate sacrifice for those who give everything for what we stand for today and allow us to have this conversation. And I wanted to remember in a unique way, and I pledged to run one mile for each life that was lost during the Iraq and Afghanistan campaign and uh, no less than 26 lives that I was going to remember per day, which was 26 miles each day. But I rounded it up to a full marathon, which is 0.2 and uh, just committed to it. And yeah, I got on the start line on the 1st of November because November is a very poignant month for us with remembrance and Armistice Day. And, And I just wanted to do something unique because it was a very special challenge one was very serious and close to my heart and I knew I was going to give everything I had and more and yeah just got amongst it and um, a lot of it was mental mental capability physically you know I could you can do a lot physically but you're kind of sometimes people are overshadowed with what they think they can do because of your mental state and Mm -hmm. I'm quite resilient with my mentality and 
and I knew I was going to be in some dark places, which I was, some very dark places. It reduced me to tears sometimes because of the pain that I was in, but I was prepared to go into some some dark spaces and into the red zone. And uh, I was kind of in them from marathon three, really, until my body started to adjust. And it did, I think, probably on marathon 14 to 15, where I started to, to run without pain. I think my body just got used to me going out each day and, and getting it done. And actually on day 19, I run my fastest marathon, which is like three hours and 41 minutes, I think it was. So, um, yeah, it was an incredible journey. And I raised just short of £170,000 for Walking with the Wounded. And it's a very close charity to me. I'm a patron of it. And I've seen the incredible work that they do to help former servicemen and women who are struggling, whether it's physically or mentally, gives them a capability of employment to go into some some mental health sessions and to grow them individuals um, into what they deserve and gives them, I wouldn't say an extra, another start in life, but it will help them in education or to grow them as, as, as people because, you know, they do deserve it for the sacrifices that, you know, they're willing to put on the line I mean this is going off beat slightly from the challenge but we all saw the incredible spine tingling performance of our armed forces during Her Majesty you know state funeral impeccable you know, these are these are just ordinary people that volunteer their service to this country and some flew back from from Iraq to come and you know the guards who were involved, they flew back and, and didn't have a, an incredibly amount of huge time to get it done. But it's testament to the armed forces and you know, I'm very I'm an advocate for the armed forces and um incredible. So I wanted to give something back. Oh and you've 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 done that in, in bucket loads. Um I mean the the mindset uh, we'll we'll maybe touch on some of your incredible uh, military career in a, in a short while but I, I'm guessing mindset has been uh, something that has just been honed over over many years but how important was during those low moments where maybe your body just wanted to crawl under a hedge and go to sleep how how was the context of the the why that vision of those you know 650 odd uh, men and women who who made the ultimate sacrifice. Um, how important was that context in your mind as you were doing the event? Yeah, each mile we would read the name out who I remember, and um, that continued throughout the journey. And it was when you commit to such a challenge, it it, it was always greater than me. It was always greater than Brian Wood. I was just the one who was going to run. You know, I was representing and remembering. You know those who give everything, but then they're for their families as well, who would then message me. And that would be a great help because I'd be getting messages from sons, daughters, um, widows, grandparents to say, look, thank you so much for, you know, remembering our son or can I come out and run with you? Like I had mums join me who had lost their son, you know, during this whole journey. And, and that was what it was all about. It was, Messages like that that got me out of bed in the morning um, or helped me. I was always going to get out of bed. I was always going to get on the start line, but it helped me because I've always said the challenge was always bigger than Brian Wood. 
I was just the one that was prepared to put my body through such endurance to to remember every single person I set out to remember. You know, failure was not an option. It was I took my my sort of mindset and my headspace was I took every mile as it came. Never looked at the challenge as a whole. It was each mile and then each day. And then I'll get up and the next day and do the same. Focus on each mile and then just continued throughout. Um, <laughs> it was a long journey. And um, I've, yeah. just signed up, I've just signed up actually to, to go again. Um, but I'm going to be doing more. Uh, so be the ultimate sacrifice again. Um, and last year, I remember those who never made it home from, from Iraq and Afghanistan. And because it's the 40th years of the Falklands, I'm going to bring on those who never made it home from the Falklands as well. So it's going to be 35 marathons in 35 days-ish because, and this is quite an exclusive really for you, it looks like I might be going out to the Falklands to, to run out there in remembrance for those who didn't make it home from the Falklands. So really poignant. And then I'm going to have to figure out logistics-wise because flying times, it's quite a long, and I've got to stop, we've got to stop um, off at the Ascension Islands, which I'll probably get off the aircraft and then run a marathon on the Ascension Islands before we get back on and then go over to the Balkans. So it's a few logistical stuff that we need to get right. So it may not be 35 in 35 days because of travel. So I'm going to have to kind of see what that, that means and what that entails. But I wouldn't say I'm like massively looking forward to it because <laughs> of the pain that I know I'm going to be in. But, you know, if I can just raise you know a small amount of money because i know that we're all in tough times at the moment it would mean the world to me so that's what i'm going out there just to, to do something i have to do something it's that higher that higher purpose is just just awe-inspiring brian it it really is and it was it was linking linking up with you and you know seeing your your journey and i followed you through all those 20 20 odd days in november when you did that that first challenge um, and I thought, you know, incredible achievement, incredible mindset. But that was kind of only the start. When I started to get to know you more, and we'll come on to your book and various things uh, later, um, I started to understand, you know, a, 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 a very different person and some some incredible context here from your personal experiences. And I, I'm, I'm in awe at how anybody can overcome what you've had to 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 achieve so could we maybe visit your your military career um you're in iraq um you're age 23 and you're involved in some pretty horrific events there um that had to be done uh, could you just take us through that that day of the battle of danny boy yeah i mean it was a day like you know, every other day when I was out there, it was very hostile. We was always hyper vigilant because of the atmospherics and what was going on prior to Danny Boy. And um, yeah, I was on a vehicle checkpoint where I was told that there's been an incident, stop what I was doing and go into the vehicle. I got into the vehicle, got on the radio or the intercom, spoke to my commander and he said that there's been an incident and two soldiers for the Argyle and Southern Highlanders have become casualties and our mission then was to go and extract these casualties because one was bleeding out 
and the golden hour for us is really important to to fulfil because from point of contact or from point of injury to then getting them to some sort of trauma unit is one hour. That's what that's what kind of that's what we call it the golden hour. So we're off down Route Six, which is a vulnerable road that goes from Bajra to Baghdad. We were kind of in the middle at Alamara. And um, on the way down there to extract these two, we were, we were hit by an ambush, overwhelming ambush. Um, we come to a halt. My vehicle enters exchange gunfire. And um, yeah, from that, my vehicle wasn't having any, the effect that it wanted. So then an order was given to me and my fellow dismounts in the back of the vehicle to get out and counter this trench position that probably had about 15 to 20 militia at the time. That's what, I, that's what was identified. There was only three of us at this time. And, um, yeah, going to counter what was suppressing us. And um, it was a big ask at the time. I think, like, 23, having that pressure on your shoulders, mm-hmm. um, you have to kind of deal with a lot. Fear being huge which can potentially overwhelm you and make some poor decisions if you don't suppress it. It's infectious as well. So whatever I was going to do, you know, I was going to influence the others who were looking at me for some reassurance, a bit of clarity and a bit of empowerment, even though I was only 23 and I knew that. So, you know, just I was calm in chaos. I spoke to the guys with calmness and, uh, told them what we're going to do. Once that door opens, we're going to go to a holding position because I was disorientated in the back of the vehicle and I just needed to get an idea. I need to get an idea where this mm. trench was and um, and then we'll take it from there, really. And then, um, yeah, the countdown from five seconds to one felt like an eternity. The door started to open and it was just so bright. And um, our first phase was to get to this holding position which we did and it was so noisy because in the back of a vehicle it's muffled but as soon as it opens up it's so noisy and uh i was at that that point i could then identify this position which was about 110 120 meters from where we were and i'm just seeing the exchange of like tracer fire where the ammunition light up and it was just an exchange between our vehicle and this trench and um we were then joined by two other guys randomly um, British soldiers turned up now we've got five of us in this holding position and we all agreed to go over the top like the greatest generation during the, the world war and um, and that's what we did you know we bounded forward probably expecting us to be casualties or if not be killed but it was what we we're willing to do to achieve our mission which was to close and destroy the militia fighters who were trying to kill us and we got closer and closer. And then there was a lot of trauma that I started to see with enemy who were killed and some of the you know, enemy had been hit by such high velocity of ammunition. It was like, yeah, it was bad. And, um, yeah, we managed to, against all odds, take this big stronghold. Um, there was a lot of militia fighters who threw down their weapons and, and then became prisoner of war. And there was a lot of confusion you know, what was going on at the time, people look at me to make these decisions and it was just like mad, really. So much was going on. It 
one point I just had to kind of slow the situation down and compose myself and start prioritising clearing their weapons away from them and moving the enemy dead away from the POWs and just kind of get everything back in some sort of order. But it was difficult. And then um, once we did that, I started to kind of come down from this super adrenaline and had started to drink some water. And then my company sergeant major turned up, who was my sort of big boss, and asked me if the battlefield was clear. And on the approach to this position, I saw militia fighters fall back. So I knew that the um, position wasn't clear and uh, the, the battle space wasn't clear. So it's a big integrity question for me, really, because I was lucky to be alive at this point. And uh, I wanted to say to him it was clear, but because of my values, I was like, it's not clear. So my company sergeant major and I went forward again and then become decisively engaged within, you know, 100 metres away from this main position. And it was all close, close quarter fighting, really close. And um, I had a bit of moral courage. I said to him, look, we need to go back. And he's agreed. And then uh, on the way back, I see a flicker of movement turned around with my weapon to bear. And there was two more militia fighters who threw their weapons down. So it was just like proper chaos. And then we took them as prisoner of war. The guy who I then picked up was one of the Iraqi policemen that we were mentoring. So I had been massively betrayed by someone who I was trying to, we were trying to teach, you know, our training practices too, to take over their own country and, and be able to, you know, control it basically. But you just don't know who you're, who you're, yeah, giving your time to, and it's just unfortunate. And, um, yeah, kind of after that, we then in time went back to the camp. We had more issues because of the, our vehicle back door wouldn't open and someone had to crawl through the back over the bodies. And it was just like constant trauma after trauma after trauma. Um, and that, that tour really in Iraq didn't ease up. It was madness and chaotic from the once we flew in and took over to the end and um, definitely had a last, lasting impact on, on me mentally for sure because anyone exposed to, to that much trauma and also that's just, that was just the Battle of Danny Boy you know I, we haven't got time to talk about the others but it's in the book the other big key battles that I was involved in Danny Boy was just a significant battle because of it was trench warfare it was close quarter fighting it was hand-to-hand fighting and it hasn't been done since you know the Falklands maybe um world wars so it, there was a keen interest but also there was a keen interest in it because of what happened years later with the allegations headed up by the defunct Phil Shiner who is now actually on trial himself um but accused us British soldiers for murder mutilation and mistreatment it's in, we- in 2009 before we touch on that, I'd just like to take you back to your descriptions, a so powerful description of, you know, heading out of that tin box, a door opening, that wall of light and sound. And you know, I'm thinking that emotion, the fear, the adrenaline you mentioned. But you, right from the start, you said making sure that doesn't affect sound decision-making. So when you're on the charge or moving forward in your with with your your squad um being able to switch on to the aggression but also turn the aggression off when you know some of the uh 
some of the enemy threw down their weapons. I mean, that must be incredible training that's uh, yeah. instilled in you. It is, for sure. But sometimes, you know, you can get it wrong. And I understand that because when you're fighting for your life and you're fighting for the guys left and right of you, someone who has been such an aggressive action against you, it's definitely hard to get it right. But we did, you know, we still understand rules of engagement, we understand rule of law and we're educated on it. But when you're in that moment to survive and to fight against this aggressive action, sometimes you can get it wrong, but we never did. And, um, you know, you just, I think there's a lot of it is reaction, um, clear direction, and just trying to be sort of the best leader that you can, that you can be in, in time of, you know, real pressure. You know, I did, didn't have, I didn't really do any sort of battlefield courses at this point. I wasn't a senior leader. I was a real junior leader at 23. And it was in kind of the, the most extreme leadership scenarios that there ever will be. Or, you know, and, and a lot of people within the conflicts within Afghanistan understand that at such a young age, people talk about pressure, people talk about decision making, people talk about executing plans. You know, these military personnel were doing it at 18, 19, and 20. And, yeah older clearly and they were executing plans which is life and death this is not going to lose you know a deal this wasn't going to lose a tender a pitch um an asset this is life if you got it wrong it's life and um or, you, or there's casualties which just then the implications of that is another complete different chain of events with the whole Kazivak procedure and, and how to deal with that to get someone off the battlefield under so much pressure. So that's why I've got so much admiration for those who are in the military and in in places of authority or you know or leadership, whether it's young or old, because you know, there is an expectation to grow up instantly when you're away. You've got to. And um and that's what's given me the tools, really, that I use today. And um, you're 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 very humble in how how you ex- explain this. Um, um, but others around you weren't quite so, and and recognised you, and you went to see the Queen to receive an award. Would you? Yeah. And and probably some of the context here, which. I understand you come from a military family with your father, and uh, I think your son's just passed P Company. I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the parachute regiment, I mean, what an achievement at his age, eighteen years old, to pass such an arduous course at such a young age. I mean, I don't think I'll be able to have done it at his age. So that's real testament to his drive, his courage, his determination, his selfless acts to volunteer his service for this great nation. You know, that's some incredible values that he, you know, it's his journey. He wants to do it. And yeah. it's just brilliant that he's doing it with real desire and hunger. And he's carving his own path. He could have chosen to go into the same regiment as me, but he wants to go a completely different way, which I'm massively proud of him, really am. 
because I know how hard he's worked for it. And um, yeah, good on him. Yeah. But no, it's, um, listen, we talk about being humble. I'm just an ordinary guy from a small village that has been on a bit of a journey, has affected me, has affected the family. But then I grew, never played victim. Never, ever played victim. What was thrown at me, I just had to acknowledge and there was, I had to try and find a way out to grow from what I was experiencing. And it was tough. You know, there, were those, there were those that were prepared to go out of their way to cast aspersions, unfair aspersions, and and that's the that's the uh, the unfairness of, of of life. So you came back to this country. I mean, you're a hero. You got military cross. Yeah. You had your meeting with the Queen. I mean, incredible. And then something changed. Tell us, tell us about that, Brian. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, one minute, you know, I was going into Buckingham Palace and the Queen was rewarding me for my actions during the Battle of Danny Boy and others, that other incidences that I was involved in. And then five years later, have kind of my name in pure lights all over the media, all over the news. Panorama had run something called On Whose Orders, which made us out to be barbaric murderers, like horrendous. And then the press got hold of it, and it was just hard, hard yards. Uh, talk about pressure, this was pressure, but this was different types of pressure because I didn't understand it. I was on home soil, which I didn't think this would even be a consideration, but it was, and it was real. and. You know, I had to kind of figure it out, but I went to seek some support for legacy trauma stuff and for the pressure that I was under with, it was called the Old Swede Inquiry, and it was headed up by a public interest lawyer called Phil Shiner, who, I mean, it's so much corruption, paying bungs of money to, to Iraqi agents to come up with different types of claims on innocent farmers being murdered, on just going about their normal daily business, taking back being mutilated, being mistreated, and it just grew arms and legs. I couldn't understand how because there was no real evidence. It was just pushing the system, bleeding the system for money, but also to the point of killing us, really, mentally destroyed us, Um, you know, ruined careers. I'd done 17 years. If it wasn't for that, I would have continued my military service. You know, fueled drink with other people who were with me that day. You know, fueled habits. It people want to take the pain away because it was hard work, and it went on for a further five years until the point that I was in the courtroom and understand and deliver my testimony. Just couldn't understand how it even got this far. It was, yeah, not good. But I don't five. Think- five. Five years. That mm. is an incredibly long period of time to be yes. under such intense scrutiny and, and pressure. Yeah. So 2009, were, that's when Panorama ran their programme. The end of 2014 was when it was all acquitted and, um, and it was deliberate lies, reckless speculation and ingrained hostility from Phil Shiner. Um, but it was a decade of a roller coaster like no other. Um, 
you know, it, it affected us, it affected my loved ones. You know, I'm fortunate still to to be in a really good position now, and, you know, really doing cool things with my family. But for others, it wasn't like that. You know, they, they went, yeah, found it really, really, really tough. I found it really hard. But they, yeah, everyone handled things differently, clearly. But, yeah. Um, I, guess, I guess that the training you mentioned earlier on in, in, in this podcast episode where you know, the ability to switch on and switch off life-changing events where lives are at stake, you know, many struggle to adjust exiting military life into in, into city street just on on a normal basis if if that makes sense but you had to handle this transition whilst this five years inquiry was hanging over your head how did that take uh, if it's not too much of a personal question how did that take its toll uh, you, you speak quite openly about mental health issues of ex-servicemen and women and and, and others and help many how how what are your observations on that? I had to create dialogue. You know, for years I kind of hid a lot of things away. But at this point in 2009-10, I had to be braver than I was on the battlefield. And that meant for me to open up about some legacy things that were playing on my mind, whether it's on the battlefield and the pressure of the inquiring not having a toolkit available to suppress different emotions, how I was feeling. And for me, it was creating dialogue and speaking about it and talking about, you know, the legacy traumatic events I was involved in, talking about the pressures that I was under with press outside my house or, you know, the, what the newspapers were printing and so on and so forth and um, getting a lot off my chest, but then also receiving some incredible advice that I could then put in this toolkit to su- support me as I moved forwards because I said earlier on I was never ever play victim to what's going on mm. I wouldn't allow myself to do that it's all about acknowledging what you're under the, whatever pressure that you're under definitely acknowledge it be brave enough to talk about it and then let's figure out a way to recover a way forward and to show up and attack the day with a real purpose find something whether it's a, for me it's fitness or something that will make you tick and um, and take each day as it comes, like I did the marathons. Just take yeah. each day. Every day is different. Take each day different, but attack it. And that's and what out, I did. And out of those dark days, you, you found that purpose, not, not only in the, the last year's challenge and, and, and the, the challenge that's about to unfurl in front of you, um, but also you've you've found a purpose through your business to to give back and and support others and and inspire others and uh so tell us a bit about about your your brand and how that's how that's going for you yeah i mean i've always been one for lounge and fitness wear and with everything that was going in my life at that point as well that i just wanted to do something completely left and right of what i was doing within the military and within London in the corporate world I just I just thought I could really make an impact with my brand which is keep attacking so I didn't have any money but I wanted to I had a vision but like I said no cash and um, it was to create this mantra that 
can support, inspire, empower others who are going through some real tricky times because, listen, we're all going through them. doesn't matter who you are. If you haven't been through adversity now, unfortunately, the way life is, you will go through adversity at some point in your life, whether it's loss of a loved one, whether it's, you know, you're diagnosed with something, you're feeling it tough with business, you want to be the best that you want to be within sport or business, it's down to you. Only you can make that happen because nothing is handed out in this world. So I knew that for what I went through. And what really got me through was this mantra. And I said it earlier on about keep attacking each day. Acknowledge, reconfigure, and go on the offensive to try and grow and get out of what you're going through and be a better person for it. So I got a few bits of clothing, tried and tested them for men and women. And then um, I was really happy what I had. I had this incredible logo, which had a subliminal meaning with the mantra, one that is very unique and personal to the individual because every, every, every journey is different, but it had a true meaning. And um, I, I launched it on a two-week pre-order and it just went absolutely wild. I couldn't believe it. I, I was in this kitchen. This was our like processing hub. And my upstairs is all racked out with the clothing. I was under I was under more pressure in this kitchen than I was on the battlefield, honestly. Because, <laughs> because I'm not a, I'm I'm not a businessman. I don't even I don't even claim to be some sort of businessman or an entrepreneur. I can't even spell that word. But what I've got is heart, passion, and a vision, and I just try, and that's where it's at. So I was like, all of this was going on. I was on my own. Lucy was kind of working her day job at her place of work. And I was trying to deal with all of this and I was getting so much wrong. I was missing orders. I was duplicating orders. I was sending orders out in the wrong packaging. I was sending wrong sizes. It was just wild. But I knew I had something really special because people could relate to it. People go through grief. People go through therapy. People try and be the best that they can be. But to do that, you have to attack whatever sector you're in, you have to go and want it desperately to succeed. So they can like, they bought into this nice sort of mantra. And like I said, it just grew and grew and grew. And then after six months of operating out of this kitchen, I knew we had something really, really good. And then I went and got some space up the road from here, my office space, and also to store all of our kit. And um, I also wanted to go into the, the fitness side of it because physical health is just as important as mental health. And I believe if you look after your physical health, it in turn will support your mental health for sure. With the endorphins, with feeling good about yourself, sense of achievement, all of that is through the physical side, which will help you. So I wanted to put something on and I'm very fortunate to have some military land dotted around us here so i reached out to the mod and said look can i use the land and it was just an epic trying to get everything signed off but we did and um we put on we launched our keep attacking events 4.5 miler and or a nine miler and it was well you've done it yeah through, uh, through mud 
through hills on sand, you know, but it's not about coming first. That doesn't really impress me. It's about just showing up and committing to a challenge and just trying to do it, figuring oh, out right. what And how, how they showed up as well. And that, yeah. I was there for your inaugural event and we were all covered in mud and they were all shapes and sizes, creeds and colours yeah. racing together. Yeah. And every single one of them, one of us, every single one of us had a smile on our face. It yeah. was an incredible day. And that personal achievement, there was the racing snake who, yeah, that's right. Incredible time. Um, yeah. But the people who came in an hour, hour and a half later, just as great an achievement as you said. Yeah, exactly. And they were given, you know, the prize for through adversity, you know, because that's what they were going through. They were really going through some tough, tough times and, you know, that's more important to me than first and second. I mean, that's what it's all about. And that's grown this, like, real community of keep attackers, really. Like, it's, it's a bit of, I wouldn't say it's a cult. It's a community of like-minded people who have been through some challenges within their life, who get it, who understand what we are and what we do. And if, even if it's just repping, the logo on your arm or putting your t-shirt on as a bit of armor you don't even have to go out of the house it's it's you know if you're struggling with anxiety to even get out you know putting on a bit of armor where you're like i'm going to try and attack this day first stages i'm going to put on a bit of armor they put on that keep attacking mentality clothing which is like giving them a bit more confidence mm. and then the next day they could be outside the door repping their t-shirt understanding what it's about and then just taking some baby steps, but they're going forward. They're on the offensive with what they're up to and what they're going through. So that's kind of, yeah, where it was kind of generating. And um, now, we're in team, yeah, now we're in team wear. So you're also looking after equestrian teams on their horse polo and horse riding teams. We're doing a lot of football teams because we do the, the whole um, design and then execution of their kits. So we take them for a bit of a journey, and it's because it's only small. The customer service is what we really proud ourselves on. So we want to feel people that they're involved in this journey, and we send them out the drawings, we send them out the, the designs, and then they want to tweak a few things here, there, and then we do that. We, we tweak it, and then we go to production, and then they get you know their team wear kits, golf. We've been doing a lot clearly because of the summer just. Or, it's yeah. coming to an end now but we've done a lot of the golf stuff and military is a is a big area where i'm focusing on at the moment which is which is brilliant and such a great mantra for for everyone you know to to achieve and and uh, it's good it's really and exciting so from you openly acknowledge you you don't come from a business background but to create a business that you're incredibly passionate about you strike me as somebody who's not afraid to, you don't want to make mistakes, but you're not afraid of halting progress for the sake of, you know, a, a few mistakes. You you don't seem to suffer from procrastination. You, you've learned a lot of lessons in business over the last year or so then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough and I really take my hat off to those people in business and those people who have started their own business and, and, um, yeah, those people with like some visionary mindset and and really good goals because it's yeah it's tough. 
it's definitely tough, but it's so rewarding as well. I mean, I can do this because I run the business. I can have the pleasure to say, right, I'll manage my diary, talk to you. But then what people don't see is 10 o'clock at night, me going through orders, going through different aspects of the business, you know, correcting stuff, keeping the website up to date, trying to blog on things, you know, it's, that's what it's like. But that's, that's why I'm passionate about it and why I'm, yeah. I, I would say, yeah, probably in business, but I don't class myself as some powerhouse. I mean, maybe one day. Um, who knows? But well, with creating the impact you do, and I mentioned this to you just before we went uh, on air, but I'll mention it to the listeners now. Um, my wife and I we, we were shopping for sofas in in Guildford uh, uh, at the weekend, and I was wearing one of your hoodies with the Keep Attacking logo on, and uh, a gentleman stopped me and uh, he said, uh, "Where do you get the top from? Um, do you do you know Woody?" Uh, I said, yeah, I do. Um, you know, incredible guy. And uh, he said, you know, I can't begin to tell you how how the influence and, and the inspiration has affected me. He was, I think, ex-parachute regiment, and he'd had some challenges leaving the uh, the armed forces, um, some mental health issues, and he was he was very open. So that that camaraderie just over a hoodie created a, a, an engagement there. But your inspiration is is so deep and it, it helps so many people. I do want to ask you one question. It's a question I ask everybody who comes on the podcast. Given what you know now, and bearing in mind I ask this to people from an eclectic array of backgrounds, given what you know now, if you had a quiet word with your teenage self, what advice would you give yourself? Understand values and what they mean. Be kind to others. And don't be scared of failure. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I'm sure everybody's been inspired by this episode. Um, I've got a copy here of, of Brian's book, uh, Double Crossed. Um, and Brian's got a copy <laughs> there as well. And, and in fact, Brian, hold up your, uh, your, your top there because you've got a relationship uh, there with, with Amazon you know what? as well. Yeah. Do you know what? I do a collaboration with Amazon. So, this is, they've got a massive military network within Amazon because it's, I mean, fair play to Amazon, um, who are probably the biggest brand in the world, have cottoned on to those who leave the military with some incredible skill sets to come into their warehouse or, the, or their, their sort of logistical chains and so on and so forth. So they've got a huge thousands of ex-service men and women and they reached out to me and said, look, can you be our sort of collaboration clothing partner for our Amazon military network? And I was like, amazing. So yeah, this hoodie is kind of, we do like, because Amazon, this is obviously British, but there's like French we did for, which was, which was pretty tough because of Brexit actually trying to get the clothing over there was really tough. Um, but we managed it. Australia, um, America. So it, we, it's been flying out, everywhere but i'm really proud of this collaboration and that's our obviously it's that's our logo there on the arm to to sort of yeah be involved in the collab so keep it great and you, um, you mentioned ex-service men and women there um i i used to put uh, fiber optic networks and data centers in brand new countries um and the most reliable source of of fantastic people who we could put boots on the ground with a high degree of discipline 
but the innovation to get complex stuff done in a different environment um, came from a whole array of, um, of, of military background. They were absolutely brilliant at that advanced party getting in there. Yeah. Um, so I can absolutely see what you're talking about and, um, you know, what, how Amazon have identified that as a fantastic skill set. Yeah, I mean, they just need clear direction, mission command, because that's all that they've been used to. It's, it's an institution within the military and we all buy from our main efforts, our missions and our values. And as long as they, we have that, that's why I think a lot of military um, personnel struggle um, when they leave this institution, being the military, because they don't have that clarity. They don't have that clear direction. Mm. They don't have mission statements. Um, you know, it's difficult then for them to kind of find it if they're on their own because they've been so used to working within a team and to these mission statements and it's, it's, it's hard, but you can find it. You've just got to do a bit of soul searching, understand what's your passion, who you are as an individual, because you have to re-identify yourself because you lose your identity when you come away from the military, but you can re-identify with yourself and, and be very successful out here. But it is, it's up to you and you have to keep attacking. Yeah. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. Brian, there's going to be so many people who have been inspired. Um, they can get your book on Amazon. Yeah, books on Amazon. Yeah. Or, or there's signed copies, actually, on my website, www.keepattacking.co.uk, with you know, the merchandise is on there as well, the clothing. And, um, yeah, you can obviously follow us on social media, keep.attacking, or my own personal Social medias, Brian Wood MC or at Brian Wood MC on Facebook, LinkedIn, and yeah, Instagram. And Instagram. Everywhere right. else, yeah. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. You, every time we meet, you inspire me. You'll inspire so many people with the outreach of the, this podcast. Uh, so, on behalf of a, a grateful nation, and thank you so much for your service. Uh, thank you, Brian Wood. No, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you would like more inspiration, why not join our Facebook group, Property Developers and Investors, or visit our website, www.equaacademy.co.uk.